1: the FT.
2: Hello, I'm Jan Daly and this week the Arts Podcast looks back at 60 years of British design and asks what the future holds. I'm joined by the furniture designer Matthew Hilton, the author, curator and principal of Edinburgh College of Art, Dr Christopher Bruard, and the FT's arts writer, Peter Aspen. Christopher is co-curator of the V&A Museum's forthcoming exhibition, British Design 1948-2012, to 2012, Innovation in the Modern Age. It opens on the 31st of March and runs until August, by which time London's Olympic Games will be in full swing. That's no coincidence. For 1948, the starting date of the V&A's ambitious survey was also the year of London's so-called Austerity Olympics with all eyes on london this summer the curators aim to display the best of british innovation and taste but what characterizes britishness can britain be called a leader in design when its manufacturing industry is all but dead and what links an e-type jaguar to a laura ashley dress peter the exhibition is chronological tracing the movements and fashions of the past 60 years what story does it tell
1: well um it's it's the story it's the wider story of britain as you might expect um the my favorite part, the early parts, you get this incredible surge of idealism after the war, fantastic modernist design, um, but a very democratic impulse at work, um, which is fantastic. And then you get the years that I remember very vividly as I was growing up, the years of subversion, I think the curators call it. Where there's great flair, great great design flair, really rubbing up against the establishment and looking to provoke at every opportunity, and then the end, which I found a little bit made me a little bit sad and depressing, really, where you get this the professionalisation of design and and corporate control very much coming in, and you get the grand buildings, the grand projects, and um, and it, it splits into those three themes rather neatly, I think, and cleverly.
2: Christopher, the exhibition you've curated is about design, but it takes in fashion, furniture, fine art, graphic design, photography, ceramics, architecture, and industrial products. Can all these really be linked?
3: Well, we came to our material with a very Catholic understanding of design uh, in its broadest sense, but I think the exhibition, the content of the exhibition also reflects uh, the collecting of the V&A over 60 years as much as it does a history of British design. So all of those elements are linked by the fact that at various times curators were interested in taking in uh, what was representative of contemporary and modern life. Um, I think Design as understood in 1948 is very different to design as understood in 2012. Um, so there's, there's shifting boundaries. One of the wonderful things about the exhibition and seeing that range of objects and media in place is that you do get surprising connections between, for example, textiles and industrial product or film uh, and paintings from, from from the art school. So there are strong visual connections between them as well.
2: Matthew, you've worked for a number of different companies as a designer, including Habitat as their head of furniture. Your job must have changed a great deal over the years, particularly with the advent of computers.
4: Well, I I started my career in 79, and we were using pencils, paper, and model making as a way of designing. A lot of sketching. And computers have changed things dramatically. I think for the better, by far, we now can design in much more detail. We get things right far more often. And things are much, much faster. I can, you know, as everybody knows, we can send a drawing now around the world and it's received in a factory and something can be made the next day. Um, there are computer-controlled cutting machines. There are all kinds of fantastic um, developments.
1: How about your bea- your very beautiful Balzac armchair? How Thank was, you. Uh, how <laughs> was, that, um, how that was
4: that? That you know? was was. Pencil and, um, yeah. and and polystyrene. And the sculpture or form, exploration of form, is still a very important part of it, but we're doing that with, a, with a, virtually. And we, we still do cut up bits of polystyrene and cardboard and make things with clay and so on, but that's a very um, early part of the process.
2: Peter, post-war British planners and designers believed that great design could actually build a better society, could really... I mean, some even believed it could sort of prevent the next war. Do you think that design can make life better in? really important ways. Sure, sure. I don't think it can
1: prevent prevent wars. Um, As I said, there was this amazing, you know, following the war, and in in art and design generally, you know, we had the Arts Council, we had the Edinburgh Festival, we had all these very civilising forces. um, And design was part of that, a real wish to um, to to improve the quality of people's lives. But I think the democratic impulse is really important there, you know, that it wasn't, you know we've we've come to an age now where we use the adjective designer in this very weird way to denote something exclusive aspiration on elitist and uh, and what you really get the sense from in this early part of this exhibition is designs is the exact opposite of that and you know i have at home i have a wonderful Urkel sideboard um you know and it's it was not expensive it was produced, you know, in, in for mass numbers, but it was properly made. It's a proper piece of furniture and it's, it's fantastic. And I, I love the early part of the show for those things.
3: You're, you're absolutely right. There's a sort of democratic impulse in, in uh, the design of that moment in the 40s and 50s. There's also a, a strange sort of, for me at least, patrician, Mm. Almost top-down, this is the design that will do people good, uh, will will improve their lives. I think you then get a real shift um, in the 60s yeah. and, and onwards where, you know, with the rise of individuality, yeah. it's actually about creating design for yourself in, in more of an ad hoc way and a rejection of some of those paternalistic values. Absolutely, yeah.
2: And then the designers themselves turned into rather kind of uh, individualistic superstars, didn't they? I mean, is there a relationship between the decline of manufacturing and the rise of the designer? I
4: I think around the Festival of Britain um, and that great democratic and social aspect of design, I think, unfortunately, that was also the beginning of the decline in industry in Britain. And um, designers had to forge things for themselves, in Britain, you know, um, industry was was dying. Um, the only way to get in furniture, anyway, to get things made was to go to Italy or do it yourself. Um, and when you're when you're starting out your career, um, doing it yourself is much easier. So it, it, I think it did create that um, that kind of that frustration that that um, helped people like me and Tom Dixon and Ron Arad and Jasper and so on to 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 push ourselves out there. So in some way, that that difficulty was was creative.
2: Chris, do you think that it is sensible to talk about Britain as a global leader in design, as the exhibition, I believe, does? Um, But given this point about British manufacturing being all all but over, the divorce of the designer from the process of making must be something that the exhibition also traces
3: it does um and i think it is possible to talk about britain as a global leader in various aspects of uh, its design culture uh it's it's textiles and you know i know the textile industry has declined in in terms of of, of the way it existed uh Pre Second World War, but um, the textiles produced from the from the forties to the fifties, just in terms of pattern making, uh, colour, uh, and experimentation with with materials, uh, are absolutely excellent, and they jump out at you in the show as, as something that's incredibly special. And I think it's fair to say, you know, in the final sections of the um, of the exhibition, that in in terms of architecture. Uh, global impact of British-based firms uh, has been extraordinary, whether you agree or disagree with the quality of that architecture. Uh, in terms of branding, I suppose, um, it's, um, it's very powerful.
1: But it becomes quite complicated,
3: doesn't it, simply because the world
1: is so much more globalised. Yeah. So you have Zaha Hadid's aquatic centre in the Olympic Park. To what extent is that uh, an archetype of British design? I mean, she is British-based, but yet it's her first completed project in England, you know, and it's taken a very yes. long time for us to, to embrace it. Yeah. Um, so I think that issue, not only in design, and art as well, has become much more complicated.
3: Yeah. You're right. I mean, we've tried to avoid in the exhibition telling a very simplistic story and, and, and promoting UK PLC in the way that perhaps a trade organisations or, or other sorts of institutions might. So we do tell a very layered story, I think, and it would be a mistake, although the title is British design, um, to to think of it as, as somehow uh, uh, characterising elements of the design culture that are peculiarly British. It's really about design in Britain. Uh, so designers born in Britain, trained in Britain, based in Britain. But I don't think we're really trying to push... Uh, a, a story that this is classic British design in the way that in the 1980s, you know, one was always talking about Italian design, Spanish design, in the 40s, Scandinavian design. That, I, I agree, Peter, it's mm. not possible at all mm. to to, uh, to talk in those terms but
1: One now. of the things I like about the show is that it, it actually doesn't tell a very firm story at mm. all um, at the uh, at the formal opening uh, last night Lord Rogers made reference to the fact that in the early days of the V&A um, it, it sort of resembled a souk in Marrakesh it would have all these sort of funny little corners where you'd go and see it and I'm not saying it's like a souk because it's far too beautifully designed in itself um, to be like that, but it is something just to sort of walk around and sort of discover bits and links for yourself there's not this great thumping central narrative which I think it's to its credit
2: Matthew, after the second World War, Britain invested in its art schools, and presumably you yourself were were a product of this moment when there was real kind of optimism about the future that was there now that even the art schools are under threat do you think that the young designers these days are having a tougher time or that there is good design training
4: i think there's definitely good design training yes there are some very good schools here i uh, i'm often asked whether it's harder for students coming out of out of colleges now or universities um than it was when i graduated um, it's a very hard question to answer. I don't know that it's, that it's possible to answer. There are more opportunities, far more opportunities. Um, we're globally far better known. Um, the internet has changed things vastly, and um, but there are far more students.
2: But do you think the quality of training is still as good as it was in your day?
4: Well, we're attracting a lot of people here. Mm. <laughs> um, whether that's real evidence, I'm not Sure. I go to colleges and I see good work and I talk to tutors who are very passionate and, and, and know what they're doing. Um, the schools I go to, which I must admit are London-based, are, London based, are um, still very... They, they still regard making as being a very important part of design. And although we're using computers and sending files around the world, um, as a designer you need to understand how things are made.
1: It must be so intimidating, I can't help thinking being a student, you know, because it's it's just all, the, you know, even this show, you know, it's all there, There's this incredible self-conscious realisation of of Britain's design history and compared to what it must have been like for Brian Eno or, you know, just thinking, oh, why don't I put some feathers in my clothes and, you know, and plus this playing with pastiche and all that and, I don't know, it must be terrifying for a design student these days, I would have thought.
2: Terence Conran said about the V&A show that it made him feel intensely optimistic about the future of the country because it demonstrates our innovation, creativity and diversity in its full splendour. <laughs> did it uh, Did it have that effect on you, Peter?
1: Well, as I said before, I, I, I felt, you know, the end of it, and maybe, you know, maybe it's my age, you know, but the end of it, video games, Lara Croft, you know, it didn't really do it for me very much, I'm afraid. And I did get this sense of, this sort of globalized mush and things being rather interchangeable I, I could be wrong, but I felt very nostalgic for the earlier parts of the show
3: one of the the other useful things that um that Sir Terence Conran said at the uh, at one of the dinners um for for the opening of the uh The exhibition was that uh, this was an exhibition that every politician uh, should come to see because one of the useful things it does, I think it demonstrates at moments of recession, for example, um, there there are great outbursts of of creativity in response uh, to the difficulties of the times and you can see that at various moments throughout 60 years. So the story of British design, uh, in a sense, although we can become elegiac and sentimental does offer moments of hope and 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 models for different sorts of practices
2: if you had to choose one object that in some way sums up the direction of design over the last few decades what would it be I bet yours is going to be a car, Peter. Well, uh, of course, it's inevitable. <laughs> there's, there's only
1: one answer to that. There is the most gorgeous um, E-Type Jaguar there. Everything about it, the colour, it's just so beautiful. Um,
2: is it br- racing green? No, no,
1: no, it's a very subtle grey. It's Yeah, gunmetal, yeah. it's um, Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. I've no idea whether this says anything about the direction of British design, but I want it.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I immediately thought of a car as well. But um I would I I think the New Aston Martins are fantastic. They are amazing quality. They're fantastically um advanced machines. They're beautifully, beautifully made. Um they're absolutely modern, but they have a link with the tradition. Um and I think that's a very good statement. Well, there's a
3: piece we commissioned for the um show from Hussein Shalayan, uh, which is a beautiful uh egg shaped uh tool dress uh that's white at the bottom and it has uh red um trickling down from the top uh, and it's absolutely stunning, it takes my breath away when you see it it's a sculptural piece a uh, conceptual piece if you like so it plays with the boundaries between fashion and art Hussein Shalayan, a, a Turkish Cypriot um, son of son of immigrants trained at Central St Martins uh with a vivid imagination and an ability to um to capture the zeitgeist uh and and you know make you gasp in wonder um so that for me is the sort of quintessence of uh of a certain sort of design produced in Britain. There's a piece at the beginning of the exhibition from the Festival of Britain, The Skylon, a uh, beautiful drawing by James Gowan. Uh, and for me, there's a direct link between a Shalayan yeah. wondrous dress that's about something possible and ineffable and this illuminated uh, band of light that floats in the sky and allowed Londoners... <laughs> Uh, to, uh, to wonder at the possibilities of the future. They're both doing the same thing, and yet they're, they're divided by 60-odd years.
2: I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much to my studio guests, Matthew Hilton, Christopher Bruard, and Peter Asplin, and to you for listening. The Arts Podcast was produced by Griselda Murray-Brown.
1: For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.